In early 2011, Marcy Mishevitz was living on a U.S. naval base in Japan with her four children. Her husband, Michael Mishevitz, was a commander in the U.S. Navy. And things between Michael and I were strained. Their relationship had been strained for a little while now. Michael had been hanging out with some guys who always seemed up to something. Partying a lot, there were rumors. Marcy and the kids went to the States for a few months. When they came back to Japan, things with Michael weren't any better. When we met back up, I just knew things were headed south. There was a physical altercation. Michael pushed Marcy up the stairs. It was the first time he'd ever done something like that. Marcy contacted his command about the domestic issues. Next thing you know, she gets a call from NCIS, the Naval Criminal Investigative Service. And they said, do you know what this call is about? And naturally she thought, yeah. So when he asked me, do you know why I'm calling you? I'm like, well, potentially, because I was thinking it was the domestic issue. So this particular agent was like, will you come in and can we have a conversation? I said, okay. So, you know, I got in there and he was kind of talking in circles and I I was getting a little frustrated and I just said, can we please get to the point? I mean, I have four kids at home. I've got a friend staying with them. And he, he asked me if I'm aware that my husband is being investigated for espionage. And I said, what? Marcy was shocked. Here she is thinking this is about the altercation with her husband. I mean, she never thought he'd do that, but espionage, that never crossed their mind. And then that's when they told me that Michael was in a little deeper with Leonard than what I realized and that Leonard was being investigated for, you know, overcharging the United States government. So one of the guys that Michael had been hanging out with was Leonard Glenn Francis. Everybody called him Fat Leonard. He was a big dude. I mean, like over 300 pounds and stood around 6'3". So Fat Leonard, not the most creative name, but pretty accurate. And it stuck. Leonard was a defense contractor, and his company, Glenn Defense Marine Asia, did a lot of business with the U.S. Navy. He was constantly securing lucrative contracts, starting in the early 90s up until his arrest by U.S. officials in 2013. You see, Leonard wasn't just overcharging the Navy. In fact, it went a lot deeper than that. He managed to build an elaborate and powerful scheme that would implicate hundreds of U.S. naval officers in bribery, fraud, and even national security risks. I'm Alzo Slade, and from something else, this is Cheat, the show that asks the question, is it ever okay to break the rules? This week, Fleet Cheat, how one man ensnared the U.S. Navy in one of the worst military corruption scandals to date. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay. So we got this dude who's 6'3", weighing over 300 pounds with the oh-so-imaginative name Fat Leonard. So I first heard about him when he was arrested. 
And these stories started to appear in the media, mainly the, the Washington Post. But those stories were very unsatisfying in many ways because they didn't really explain why this guy, Leonard, had become so powerful in the military. You know, he was living in a $130 million mansion with 20 luxury cars in Singapore. This is Tom Wright. He's a journalist who's gone really deep on this story in a podcast appropriately called Fat Leonard. This was a really unexplained story. You know, how did this guy become so powerful? The Navy is struggling to answer the ethical questions raised by the case of Fat Leonard Francis. Leonard Glenn Francis grew up in Penang, Malaysia, then moved to Singapore. He came from a rich family of Scottish, Portuguese, and Sri Lankan descent. His grandfather owned a shipping business. As a kid, he was extremely mature at a very young age. You know, as a 13-year-old, he had these Elvis mutton-chop haircut. He was six foot two, I think, as a young teenager. He was in a biker gang in Singapore, a huge, larger-than-life character. And, you know, he ended up going to jail as a young man for an armed robbery. So a very unlikely character to become one of the largest military contractors for the U.S. Navy in the world. Leonard would take over the family shipping business, Glenn Defense, and build on it. He saw an opportunity to provide essential services to the U.S. Navy ships in Asia, specifically the 7th Fleet in the Pacific. And it was all about providing the services these ships needed at port. You see, Fat Leonard, he became the guy that you'd call on to handle all the things that these big ships would need when they docked. Food, fuel, security, Fat Leonard's got it. And there's actually a term for this person. It's called a husbanding agent. Yes, that's a weird word, husbanding. Most people know a dude like this in the streets. You know, the person who can get you what you need when you need it. They're the folks that do all the logistics and a lot of the dirty work of handling these big ships when they come to port. They coordinate how the sewage gets off the ship, for example. And Leonard, he was really good at this job. He was extremely skilled at building this business, and he wouldn't have survived for over 25 years in this job providing food, fuel, and security to the U.S. Navy if he hadn't been very good at it. So one of the ways in which he was able to build this business so successfully was that he came onto the scene in the early 90s at a time when the U.S. was very powerful, almost, you could argue, at the height of its powers. The Cold War had just ended, and the U.S. emerged as a global superpower. America had the most powerful military and navy in the world, and they were looking to flex their muscles. The 90s would also bring a growing competition between the U.S. and China over who would be a bigger international influence. And a lot of this was playing out on the water. So the U.S. wanted to have a bigger presence in the South China Sea. But in 91, the Philippines decided to close Subic Bay, a big naval base that the U.S. Navy had used since World War II. And when it closed, it became clear the Navy would need new ports. And that's where our dude Leonard steps in. He started working to help open ports in Asia, in places like Thailand and Bali and Indonesia. He'd work with local authorities to make this happen which often meant handling bribes and other sorts of sketchy transactions. Hmm, bribes on behalf of the U.S. military? Sounds surprising? Maybe, but that presupposes the way the world works is neat and fair. And most of us know that's really not the case. 
this is a dirty secret of the Navy, that they have to operate in corrupt places. And if you're going to operate in corrupt places, you need a, a bagman to help pay the, the cash that you're not going to be paying. You know, the U.S. Navy is not going to be paying this. Leonard would be the bagman. He wasn't a U.S. citizen, but he was always looking for ways to help the U.S., even to contribute to diplomatic efforts. Like in 95, when the U.S. wanted to send the USS Nimitz, which was the biggest nuclear-powered aircraft carrier in the world at the time, to make its first visit to India. But the U.S. Navy couldn't find someone to be a husbanding agent in India. So they called on Leonard, and he, he sailed his boats across the Indian Ocean. Leonard was based in Singapore, where he had a fleet of 180 boats, and he was more than happy to use them for this cause. And that involved handing over bags of cash to various Indian officials and making sure that that visit could happen. And that was a massive diplomatic victory for the U.S. because it was able to project power into India and, and, and show China, which also wants to be a, a naval power in the Indian Ocean, that, you know, that it was more powerful and more connected. And Leonard helped that. Now, guess how much Leonard charged the Navy for this visit? Five million dollars. Yeah, that ain't too shabby, is it? And, you know, Leonard's point of view is, well, that was a $20 billion aircraft carrier. So protecting it, making sure it didn't get blown up by Al-Qaeda affiliates was an important job. And, you know, he claims to have played a role in the defense of the fleet. So by now you can see Leonard is a pretty resourceful hustler. He can get you what you need when you need it for the right price. You know, and a hustler is always trying to figure out more ways to come up. So diplomatic relations and ship maintenance wasn't enough. He was looking for more ways to bring in the loot. When ships would dock, he wouldn't just provide food, but he'd take officers out for lavish meals. And I'm talking caviar, foie gras, thousands and thousands of dollars of alcohol. I mean, seriously extravagant. He also gave gifts too. Nice cigars, specialty tea sets, luxury bags, luxury cars. All of this was part of the hustle. He would give them a Mercedes with the keys, with the liquor in the trunk. He would pick them up with luxury cars, whisk them off to beautiful hotels, great dinners, Cohiba cigars, the whole lot, right? As if that wasn't enough, Leonard was also buying the officers the services of sex workers. He organized parties, he organized orgies, he found out what different officers desired, and he made sure that they had that. Sometimes those desires were different. Remember Marcy? Her husband Michael had been born in Cambodia. Fat Leonard knew how much it mean to Michael and his family to go there for a holiday, so he paid their airfare. All of Leonard's giving, all of these gifts, seemingly handed out without any expectation of being paid back, did come with a price. Because Leonard's generosity was actually very, very calculated. Giving the officers what they wanted, luxuries, dinners, gifts, girls, was a way for him to get something too. Here comes the hustle. Find out after the break. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There are two things from the early 2000s that would permanently change the scale of Leonard's hustle. One is perhaps more forgotten in history, the USS coal bombing in 2000. In Yemen, in, in Aden, in the harbor of Aden, when al-Qaeda operatives rammed a boat full of explosives into the side of the USS Cole and killed a number of, of sailors. And then a year later, 9-11. In the aftermath of both of these horrific events, there was a lot of fear. There were a number of bombings in cities around the world. And that sense that the next attack was just around the corner and somebody else was going to blow up a you know, U.S. Navy aircraft carrier. For the U.S. Navy... They realized that they were largely unprotected at ports. They needed to step up their security measures. I mean, you can't just have your ships out there naked and vulnerable to attacks. So Leonard started providing a service that no other husbanding agent was offering at the time. He called it the Ring of Steel. And these were steel barges that he would moor down, anchor down around the outside of ships, on the seaside of the ships, when they were at port. So basically, he created a circle of barges around the U.S. naval ships. I'm no security expert, but you got multi-billion dollar warships with guns and such being protected by some barges. I mean, you got to hand it to Fat Leonard for the title genius, Ring of Steel. I could just hear him and this boy scheming it up. Yo, so check this out. All we got to do is round up some barges, right, and put them around the ships. We'll call it the Ring of Steel, and charge crazy money for it. Let's just hope they don't ask about protecting from air attacks. He started to charge, you know, exorbitant sums of money for it, you know, up to a million dollars just for ship visits. And nobody questioned it because from the Navy personnel's point of view, the ships were protected, wasn't their money anyway. And, you know, military budgets had ballooned to, you know, seven, eight hundred billion dollars a year. And that's the other thing. After both the 2000 coal bombing and 9-11, the U.S. starts spending crazy money on the military. There was no limit to the amount of money that you could spend on defense and on ensuring that the troops were safe and that the Navy was safe. And Leonard, Leonard capitalized on that. You know, we've seen over and over again the, the, the fortunes that war creates. And Leonard is, is one of those. So Leonard started to charge more. And I mean, a lot more. He not only inflates the value of the services he provides, but he also starts to fabricate the services too, making up different reasons to be paid. And he always gets his money, partly because the Navy has it to spend, but also because Leonard's got friends in a whole lot of places now, including the officers that would be overseeing budgets and bills. And officers wanted to dock at Leonard's ports. To be in his orbit meant you were provided with all the things you wanted. So in exchange, they helped him too. He would give Navy officers what they wanted. And what they really wanted was, you know, prostitutes. Uh, he arranged parties, even orgies for them. 
um, gave gifts to their wives, paid vacations, Rolexes, everything. And in return, these officers who controlled the U.S. Navy in the Pacific made sure that the ships went to ports that Leonard controlled and he could make even more money. In exchange for Leonard's generosity, officers with the power to determine where ships docked and which defense firms got U.S. contracts prioritized Leonard and his firm. They would go to the ports that Leonard ran himself in Malaysia, Thailand, and Indonesia. This guy was building a monopoly. He bought a port in Malaysia called Port Klang, a cruise terminal there. And then he opened that up to the Navy. And then when the Navy came in, he had this monopoly. He could charge what he wanted. You know, he, he would do things, for example, like when there are 5,000 personnel on an aircraft carrier, they'd get off and go onto his port. And then he would give them a, a bad exchange rate at the money changes that he would set up on the pier. So he was making all kinds of like dodgy profits from the way he was operating. As he continued to get more and more contracts with the U.S. government, he just kept hiking up the prices. In the end, it's estimated that Leonard overbilled the Navy by $35 million. His company, Glenn Defense, had $250 million in contracts. And Leonard, flush with cash, he started living large. He had a massive estate in Singapore, armored cars. One report claimed that he spent $75,000 on holiday lights and lawn decorations, including a life-size reindeer and nativity scene. I mean, you gotta have a lot of money to waste it on something like that. Some U.S. officers would call Leonard out for jacking up prices of certain services. Sometimes they could renegotiate the price, but beyond that, they really had no power behind their complaints. None of them went anywhere because Leonard had a lot of powerful people in his pocket that liked the good job he was doing including admirals who liked the fact that he was so good at protecting the fleet and providing them what they needed, including prostitutes and parties. Leonard was successful because he established a powerful network of loyalists within the Navy. He was intentional about building his friendships. Often, it was people who were in strategic positions of power. But Leonard was a hustler, and the best hustlers can charm just about anyone. And that's what happened with Michael Mishevitz, Marcy's husband. Leonard figured out how to get to him. And then in return, Michael Mashevitz gave him the ship schedules and helped to push ships to places that was good for Leonard, where he could make more money. It's pretty hard to overstate the power that Leonard had, but he can state it himself. This is Leonard talking about his relationship with the officers. See, they felt so comfortable and trusted me as one of theirs because I spoke their language. I understood what was going on. I had all the information. I had the network. I knew the admirals, you know, we were all on personal basis. I could write to the admirals. They would respond to me. It wouldn't be even their, their flag aides, you know. So that, we had such a, a, a close relationship. But, and there's always a but, there's a few things friends just don't do. So one of the amazing parts of this story is that what Leonard would do is he would video some of the sexual encounters that he organized for the Navy officers. He put video cameras into the karaoke machines in suites of hotels. Now, Leonard says that he never sold that sexual compromat to Russia or China or to spies from other countries. Although Leonard did get courted by these countries asking him if he'd spy for them, he says he never did. But 
Isn't that something a spy would say? In Tom's reporting, he found that Chinese hackers did get a hold of some of these videos after hacking Leonard's computer. At one point, he was even using a Chinese server to avoid an investigation. And that's just really, really not good. By now, you can see this is becoming a bit messy. Think about it for a second. I mean, just the existence of those tapes or those photos is incredibly damaging to U.S. national security. These are senior people, intelligence officers. And this is the thing that would help protect Leonard from being caught for a long time. The NCIS, that naval investigative body, opened 27 investigations into Fat Leonard and his firm. They would all be shut down. But there were some people that Leonard couldn't corrupt. And most of them were women. And that's not surprising, right? The women will save us. Leonard certainly tried to corrupt them. When it came to the wives of many of the officers who were part of his scheme, he'd send them gifts and other bribes too. Some enthusiastically accepted them. But others, like Marcy Mishevitz, Michael's wife, didn't. I did receive a Gucci handbag that Michael gave to me, but he never said where it came from. And it wasn't until some of this stuff came out in the papers where it said, Leonard had given Mishevitz a Gucci handbag to give to his wife. I mean, I had no idea where that came from. I knew Michael. (laughs) Michael's pretty thrifty. He was never going to even buy a knockoff Gucci bag for me. But what's pretty rich about all of this is that it'd be a number of women who ultimately bring Leonard down. It's no surprise that one of the Navy supply officials called Teresa Kelly, who took him down, it's no surprise that she's a woman, I think. You know, she was an upright individual who wasn't corruptible like many of the men around her. It's not just by chance that it was women that sort of took down Leonard in the end. Find out how after the break. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. September 2013. Leonard is in a hotel room in San Diego. He's been invited to a meeting with Navy admirals to discuss doing even more business with the U.S. military. But then, there's a knock on his door. NCIS agents come in and raid his room. The whole thing was a setup to lure Leonard to the United States. Finally, he's arrested for his role in what prosecutors call a worldwide bribery scheme. Part of the reason that Leonard was able to elude arrest for so long was that he had a mole. Leonard doesn't just corrupt the officers that run the Navy's operations in the Pacific. 
he actually corrupts one of the senior most officers in the NCIS. And this senior officer had warned Leonard earlier to be careful. This time, there was a new complaint, an investigation, and an internal cooperator, a witness. And that was Marcy Mishevitz. I was cooperative. I guess that's the word. I cooperated. Marcy became one of the whistleblowers. But as she said, she didn't realize the depth of what was going on. I had no idea. I mean, I had no idea, you know, it was that huge. I just thought Michael was tisk tisk doing some things that he shouldn't and and um you know, I couldn't sit back and be party to it. Marcy, like any spouse, thought that Michael's activities were inappropriate. Carousing, partying, the dude was having affairs. But from the beginning, she never had a really good feeling about Leonard and some of his close associates. And now Leonard was being warned to stop contacting Michael since Marcy was talking to naval investigators. She suspected her husband was receiving gifts from Leonard that far exceeded the limit of what officers were allowed to accept, ranging from tickets to the Lion King show to trips like the Cambodia flights or that expensive Gucci bag that she knew her husband wouldn't pay for in the first place. But Leonard didn't stop. He kept contacting Michael. And, you know, frankly, if you're going to be a successful con artist, you have to be willing to take huge risks, right? You're not like a normal person. And so the flip side of that is when caution should say that you shouldn't be doing certain risky things, you continue to do them. Leonard had gotten away with this stuff for so long now, over 20 years. He had risen so far to the point that he had power over the official movements of the U.S. naval ships. But pride cometh before the fall. And now it was too late. Leonard is not going to be able to get out of this. The corruption has gone to such a large scale that there are so many investigations going on by this point that he's unable to sort of smother them all. And the snowball has gotten too big. And Leonard wasn't the only one arrested. In all, the investigation resulted in 33 federal indictments and 22 guilty pleas including Marcy's husband, Michael, who was sentenced to three and a half years for fraud and bribery. He admitted that he gave Leonard naval ship schedules and papers including classified information about ballistic missile defense operations. Damn, Michael. But there were hundreds of officers, including high-ranking admirals, who seemed ensnared in all of this. Around 2018, the DOJ gave the Navy nearly 450 names who they chose not to prosecute. The Navy has court-martialed a few of them, but otherwise they issued letters of censure or minor administrative punishments. Navy loyalists will say, look, this is a limited problem. Leonard's point, and I think there's, there's some merit to this, is that it went a lot deeper than that because you don't get to be a contractor who's doing corrupt business for 25 years like he did just because a handful of people were corrupt and in your inner circle. It was, it was much deeper than that. I, I, I think it is much more widespread than the people who are on trial. And this is when it gets to the question of the cover-up. You know, has the Navy properly investigated this? Has, has the Department of Justice and the Navy properly investigated this? And I think the answer is no, that too many senior people haven't really been punished for their role in giving cover to what Leonard got up to for so many years. There's a phrase, different spanks for different ranks. And that's what some folks think is going on here. 
that the people at the very top are protected from any serious punishment at all, which means the problem might not go away anytime soon. Leonard's defense of himself, which, you know, I think is self-serving and only partially true, is that this, this is how it worked. This was the kind of corruption that was endemic in the Navy in the way that you know, there was always be kickbacks in military business. And the thing is, he's not wrong. After Leonard was arrested, another company, MLS, took over his defense contracts. Now they're under investigation because in June of 2021, a U.S. Navy official confessed to, guess what? Yep, taking a bribe. So there's clearly something very broken in the whole business of military contracting and Navy contracting. And I think that's because it's all sort of, you know, it's happening out there on the high seas and in far-flung ports and people aren't paying attention to the cost escalations. So, yeah, look, there were a lot of people cheated here, like you and me, taxpayers whose money was going to orgies and Mercedes, but also to the families whose lives were changed by this. This is me being naive, saying, okay, I'm giving you this information. I'm not realizing the scope of this. This is Marcy again. Not only was Marcy unaware of the depth of the scheme Leonard was running and her husband's involvement, but she was also unaware that her husband would end up in prison. Oh, if something goes down, how are the kids and I going to be protected? How is our livelihood going to be protected? You know, I was a stay-at-home mom for many years. And, you know, and I didn't ask those questions. Marcy can't receive any money from the Navy. She and Michael have divorced. She's working to support four kids. The experience has been... Intense, to say the least. It's just one of those things that you think you know a person or never in a million years. You know, take even if we have the worst marriage on the planet, I would have never thought that he would get involved with things the way that he did. People always find ways to surprise us with what they're willing to do, especially to have their needs or really their wants met. And that's something Leonard understood all too well. Soldiers and sailors, whatever their rank, are human beings too. Like everyone else, they have the same weaknesses and vulnerabilities. And even with the mission to serve, there's still going to be folks who, when you dangle what they want the most, they can be turned. Like Leonard, after his arrest, he pleaded guilty and started cooperating with the government. He's been giving up names. He went from a hustler to a snitch. It's easy to demonize Fat Leonard, rightfully so in many ways. What Fat Leonard did was unnecessary and wrong. He was a sophisticated hustler taking advantage of a situation and his actions had significant consequences. But also, these services still need to get done. These parts of the world ain't just gonna let you put your guns there without a little something in return. So somebody's always gonna have to do the dirty work. And that's where our friend Fat Leonard comes into play. But even if you lock him up, the government that hired him and the need for dirty work doesn't go away. So they'll just bring in another sophisticated hustler to take his place. It's complicated. The whole diplomatic process needs to be upended. But until then, 
We're stuck with the fat lenders of the world. To hear more about the incredible story of Fat Leonard and to hear even more from him, you can listen to Tom Wright's nine-part series, a podcast called Fat Leonard. Hey folks, thanks for listening. Just a reminder to follow Cheat wherever you get it. And please do leave a rating and a review if you like what we're doing. It helps other people discover the show. And of course, we want more listeners. Also, if you want to listen to the show without the ads, you can subscribe to Cheat Plus. It's like Cheat, but better. It's just $2.99 a month, or if you're in the UK, £2.49. And you get all of this without having to listen to those annoying commercials. Just go to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe instead of follow. You can try it for free now. Next time on Cheat, we go inside the engine room of a multi-million dollar fake qualifications business. They target engineering. They target health care. They target aviation. They target various aspects of medical field. I see them pandering to and targeting those occupations where these credentials mean the most. Employment-wise, it's not real, but they firmly believe that it's real. Cheat is written and presented by me, Alzo Slade. This episode was produced by Julia Doyle. The executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs and Tom Koenig. The series editor is Ennis Bowen. The original idea for this show was developed by Tom Fuller. Engineering, sound design, and scoring by Martin Peralta at Output Media. Our design and visual team is Emma Lansdowne and Sarah De La Rue. Our production coordinators are Jennifer Mystery and Iker Egbatola.